This is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Put my name up in the line. What's good with everybody on this Thursday, Thursday, Thursday? Joe Fortenbaugh, that's him. Freddie Coleman, that's me. And for the guys today on Fitz and Harry, presented by Progressive Insurance on ESPN Radio, as well as the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and tell your smart speaker to play ESPN Radio. In four minutes, give or take a lie or two. I'm going to ask Joe Fortenbaugh this question. I'll ask you as well, and you can respond at 888-729-3776. Who needs the other more? Does James Harden need the 76ers more? Or do the 76ers need James Harden more? I'll ask Joe Fortenbaugh that question in four minutes. You can weigh in with your answers at 729-888-729-3776. Meanwhile, James Harden has that. He can opt into his contract and get all that kind of money in the world away for a new deal and declare for free agency. Adrian Wojnarowski, ESPN senior NBA insider on Greeny, said it is not a foregone conclusion that James Harden is going to opt out. You know, the scenario with which you would opt into that deal, I think would largely be because you have real concerns about where the Sixers might land on the kind of offer you want to get from them, the kind of years and uh, money. I think the issue for Harden in negotiations, probably similar to Kyrie Irving, it may not be so much getting close to the max the max number annually. It's how many years are they going to guarantee you? And so uh, that's, I think, part of the thought process with James Harden today. It is not a foregone conclusion that he declines the option and becomes a free agent. In other words, Joe, the 76ers and James Harden may be saying to each other, we like you, but we don't like you like you for a long-term deal, depending on what James Harden decides to do today for Philadelphia. It feels like something of this magnitude, if he was that big of a piece for them, would be closer to done than it is right now. We're, we're, we're mm-hmm. hearing everything. We're hearing Absolutely. that he's eligible for four years, $200 million plus, but the Sixers want a short-term deal. Harden wants a longer-term term deal. Harden's interested in Houston. Uh, if you go with the player opt-in now, maybe it's because there's not as much out there. I don't... How many players are, are, are opt-in when they have the chance? It feels like they all opt out because you yeah. want the longer-term deal. It might right. not be as much money per year, but it doesn't matter. These, these things are fully guaranteed. And for a guy who's going to be 34 years old in August, but then again, the counterpoint to what I'm about to say would be he's mm. already made so much money if he's managed it well. Mm-hmm. Do you think every last dollar is what matters to James Harden here? See, that's the biggest question to me. What really does matter to James Harden? Because to your point, he's made over $350 million outside of endorsements and investments. He's just made that kind of money from basketball throughout his travels in the NBA. So I don't have any question that if he's managed or mismanaged his money. To me, what does he really want? Because if he's committed to being a championship player, if he doesn't want to be an empty calorie superstar, then what are you going to do to make guys better? Not just Joel Embiid, but Tyrese Maxey, Tobias Harris, and the 76ers don't wind up trading him because he said fans want to trade him for a crumble cookie, and I'm sure that went over really well <laughs> in the city of Philadelphia with that whole statement. That's the biggest thing to me. If you're, That should be the question if I'm Philadelphia and I'm asking James Hart because he's run off people. He ran off Chris Paul and also Russell Westbrook in Houston. He ran off Doc Rivers this past season in Philadelphia. That will be the one question I'll ask James Harden. What do you really want? And what is it that you want that can be conducive to what we're trying to do here at the Philadelphia 76ers? So when it comes to your priority list, in, in no particular order, guys are probably valuing you know a championship. That's what we're hearing from Dame Lillard. Yep. Some guys are going to prioritize money every last dollar. Nothing wrong with that. And then some might prioritize a combination that involves lifestyle. 
They might have a specific city they want to play in, Mm -hmm. and that might not be the best championship contender they can get on, and it might not offer the best money, but overall fit, money, competitiveness, and lifestyle, they go with that. I honestly have no idea Mm -hmm. how to rank Harden's priorities because he doesn't strike me as a guy that's trying to chase a ring. He does strike me as a guy that if his career ends and he's never been to the finals or he's never won a championship, I should say, that he's not going to walk off into the sunset upset about that like a Dan Marino, for example. He's going to yeah. be okay with it. He made his money. He put up his numbers. He played basketball and he enjoyed his life. And And I don't hold that against him. But if the guy's priorities aren't winning a championship, if you're the Sixers, why are you chasing him down to keep him on the roster when your priority is to win a championship? Well, I answer that question this way because the Philadelphia 76ers told everybody who is somebody, this is the guy we need to get past Ben Simmons. They sold their soul yeah. for James Harden. Daryl Morey, I, I, I don't know how many times these two are going to go to the crossroads and wait for the devil to not to show up. But Daryl Moore and James Harden have done this twice already. They did it with the Houston Rockets. He placed everything that, that he likes James Harden a lot. Daryl Moore, if he could adopt James Harden, would do it. And he tried to do it in Houston, and now he's trying to do it in Philadelphia. So these two fortunes, Joe, are tied together because Ben Simmons was not the Ben Simmons they thought they were getting. After they were two games to one versus Atlanta, and then he just went haywire mentally and physically for the Philadelphia 76ers. That's why Daryl Morey said, if I'm in this situation again, I'm going to get a guy that I know. I'm going to get a guy that I believe in. That's why we're having this conversation to answer your question, because Daryl Morey and James Harden are tied together at the hip. Maybe that's James Harden's moral motivation, to make sure he's always liked by Daryl Morey more than being liked to winning a championship with anybody else. He'll be like uh, Udonis Haslam in Miami. Harden will just be on a Maury roster until he's 50 years old, mm-hmm. except in, in this example, he'll probably still be getting $35 million a year yeah. based on the way it's worked out. Y- yeah. I, it, you know what it comes down to when you mention Simmons? It comes down to how much are you going to let one mistake compound your future? I agree. All right, because there's another team I'll get to in a second that's about to do the same thing. So you make the mistake with Ben Simmons, yep. and you try to salvage it however you can, which involves a trade to get James Harden. Now, they ended up winning that trade very clearly. Harden led the NBA in assists last season. Simmons did absolutely nothing for the Nets. But now, because you made that move, now you feel tied to Harden, because mm-hmm. if you end up losing out on Harden, right. then you have nothing. Look at the Dallas Mavericks. They yep. gave up a lot of talent to bring in Kyrie Irving, and now a lot of people will say, you're not going to win with Kyrie. Why would you bring him back? Because then eventually you'd be saying, well, we gave up Dorian Finney-Smith and all these other guys Mm -hmm. for literally nothing, Mm -hmm. and we're not even one year later. So how much do you let the original mistake compound in the case of James Harden? If if they're doing this just because, eh, it doesn't really seem like a championship strategy. Great stuff by Joe Fortenbaugh. Joining me, Freddie Coleman, and for the guys today, I'm Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80. So based on what you just said, and based on I got a pretty good idea how you feel, I know how I <laughs> feels in this situation. Who needs the other more? Does James Harden need the Philadelphia 76ers more, or do the Philadelphia 76ers need James Harden more? What was the first option again? You got me caught up because the Harden thing has got me all twisted up. I get it. You're all twisted up do in the, the game. the Sixers need oh, Harden more, or yeah. does Harden need the Sixers more? Exactly. I know all the cool points out the window, just like in the movie Bringing Down the House. I get it. I understand it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good pull right there. That's a real good pull. I would say I, I would say the Sixers need Harden more because I don't think Harden needs the Sixers at all. 
if, if Harden's not trying to win a championship, he can probably go out there and get a deal yeah. that'll pay him enough money to offset whatever Philadelphia is possibly going to offer. Okay. It might not be in the best possible city for him. You know, he might not get Houston if that's what he wants. Right. But ultimately, I don't think Harden needs Philadelphia at all here. And okay. Philadelphia feels like they need him to get over the hump, but it mm. doesn't look like he's the guy that's going to get him over the hump. I hate when we agree. Not that I hate when we agree. I don't <laughs> mind when we agree, but I'm with you on this one. I, I, the, the common narrative is that, man, you know, James Harden is going to – win a championship, you know, this. he needs to be there. He needs the Sixers to really raise up his profile and all those other things that we've seen happen before. But if you're Philadelphia, and I hate to bring money being undefeated to this situation, but it's completely true. If you committed that kind of money to James Harden to get past, like you mentioned, the mistake that was Ben Simmons, that turned out to be a colossal mistake that ended completely badly for the Philadelphia 76ers in that series. You've got to be able to see it through. Same thing with the Dallas Mavericks. You can't give all that capital. You can't give all that depth for one guy and then have him walk out the door and you get nothing in return. Philadelphia, whether they like it or not, they have to see this through. Although it can wind up just like that Western. Everybody dead. Joel dead. Dal Morey dead. James Harden dead. Yep. Everybody dead in the corral. But you got to see it through if you're the Philadelphia 76ers. And that's one of the big sticking points in trying to get fans and a lot of media members versus personnel men and front office managers trying to get them to see eye to eye. Fans yeah. will look at this and say, look, move on from Harden. He can't get you over the top. Figure out what to do with that money. Build this thing up. What right. they fail to recognize is when you're a general manager or front office executive or a coach to that extent who has say in this, your clock is ticking. You don't have five years to build these things up. You need to act fast. Look at Monty Williams in Phoenix. Did Absolutely. that turn on him in a hurry? Yeah. Look at Coach Bud in Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. That turned on him in a hurry. Mm -hmm. You cannot think five, ten years down the road. You are not Belichick. You are not Pat Riley. You have to make things happen now. So if you're Philadelphia and you let James Harden go, in your mind you're saying to yourself, we just got a lot worse, whereas the fans are saying, no, 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 you can build down the line. What you're trying to say by keeping James Harden is this still gives us a chance yeah. and we're going to kind of hope Milwaukee and Boston fall off, maybe suffer some injuries, mm. maybe the path gets easier and we can take advantage of that, while the fans are saying he's never going to put you over the top. It's a, it's a catch-22 in all regards, but people think very differently. Long-term processes, long-term plans do not work for anyone other than owners in the professional world of professional sports. Because hoping and wishing are not the kind of words you need as a part of your plan. But that's where the Philadelphia 76ers are right now trying to decide what's going to happen, not if, but when they keep James Harden and how that's going to look for their future for a team that has not won an NBA championship since 1983. Joe Fordenbaugh, Freddie Coleman together. And for the guys on Fitz and Harry, hit us up anytime you want on Twitter at Joe Fordenbaugh. That's Joe's handle, my handle at Coleman ESPN. And about a couple of minutes ago, Joe Fordenbaugh mentioned Kyrie Irving. What does it mean that Kyrie Irving will meet with other NBA teams? Maybe the better question is, Shall other teams meet with Kyrie Irving? That's next on ESPN Radio. The market for Kyrie Irving, legitimate places, it's extremely limited, uh, perhaps almost nil. What's the max numbers that Kyrie could get? What's this contract we're talking about? I believe he can get up to uh, $50 million. This is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast.
The market for Kyrie Irving, legitimate places, it's extremely limited, uh, perhaps almost nil. Do I think there are NBA contenders out there that would give Kyrie Irving the bag that he would want? No, I think Dallas is the one team. What's the max numbers that Kyrie could get? What's this contract we're talking about? I believe he can get up to uh, $50 million. No matter what happens, Kyrie Irving stands to make at least $50 million starting per year next season. Yikes. Joe Fortenbaugh, Freddie Coleman together on Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, as well as the ESPN app, Series X and Channel 80, and always tell your smart speaker to play ESPN Radio. Always great to have Ramona. Ramona Shelburne, ESPN <laughs> NBA senior writer, does a great job covering the league with free agency getting started tomorrow at 6 p.m. Eastern time. Ramona, you said yesterday in NBA Today that Kyrie Irving will take meetings when free agency begins. And I, like I mentioned, it happens tomorrow at 6 p.m. For the uninitiated like Freddie Coleman, what the heck does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if you remember last time um, he was a free agent, he didn't really do anything. They just signed with the Brooklyn Nets, right? right? And when you go through that process, like you take the meeting, you take the call, you do what you want. And um, I think it's uh, – I think that's the intention, right? That's the intention of when that phone rings at whatever time you're you're allowed to schedule something. Um, that he wants to do that. Now, how many teams are going to call him? You know, where where would he schedule these meetings? Like, what where does that what does that look like? Uh, th- that remains to be seen because as you played in that you know montage of of clips, there there's not a lot of teams that are in position to make a realistic run at Kyrie Irving. There's a, you know, he's, he's a wildly talented player. I mean, when you go around the NBA and you ask people who's the most skilled player in the NBA, like his name comes up a lot because he is that good. And there's a lot of teams and players who would like to play with him, who are interested in his ability or, you know, this idea of like, should we take a gamble on that? Like, should we go down that road? Like that, that, that is a hypothetical that comes up a lot in NBA circles. But, A, the teams that have the cap space to pursue him probably don't fit that bill. And a contender would have to do a sign-in trade, which means the Mavs would have to work with them on it. And it, then there's also the element of, do you want to commit long-term to Kyrie based off of how his last few stops have gone? And so I think that's his intention, is to see what's out there for him before just you know resigning with the Mavericks. But I think we end up, with a situation where he probably just resigns with the Mavericks because there's there's not a whole lot that's realistic out there for him. Yesterday, LeBron James posted on Instagram he was responding to a 2024 mock draft, Uh-oh. sending his son Bronny to the Hawks. Oh, he came out and said, "Quote: Well, Atlanta shorty, the James gang will be pulling <laughs> up. My apologies if I didn't <laughs> give that the proper respect it deserved." It's shouty. It's shouty. I'm here to help. <laughs> Do you, uh, Ramona, do you see the Lakers preparing for this to be LeBron's last season in L.A.? Yeah. I mean, they have to. Wow. Like, he's been pretty unequivocal about saying, I want to play with my son. Right? I mean, that's – and he, he positioned himself to be a free agent or to have a player option that he could decline in the year that his son would be eligible for the NBA draft. And so, like, you know, the thing with LeBron is that – he's pretty clear about his intention. Like in the fact that he would even reinforce that on Instagram and 
No, I think that it was, it's kind of a joke of right now because the mock draft is, you know, year out, like the idea. We don't know what teams are going to make the playoffs, let alone be in any of those positions, right? But it's more it's more to say he's projected as a mid-first-round pick right. at this point. Um, so let's see how the season goes for the both, you know, all the teams in the NBA and also for Bronny when he goes and plays the USC next year. But um, I think Bronny's been pretty clear. Like he wants to play with the Sun wherever that is. Now, if I'm the Lakers, I probably try to position myself to have a mid first round pick. <laughs> <laughs> See if I can pick Bronny myself, right? Keep LeBron on the team. <laughs> yeah, because what the king wants, the king better get, especially the king of Los Angeles and LeBron James. Ramona Shelburne, the outstanding ESPN yeah. senior NBA writer, hit her on Twitter at Ramona Shelburne, joining Freddie Coleman and Joe Fordenball and Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. You mentioned it could be the final season potentially with LeBron James in a Lakers uniform. What's the likelihood that we may have seen the last of James Harden in his final season last year in the Philadelphia 76ers uniform? I think James is going back to Philly. You know, I think the the idea of him going to Houston was out there for a long time, but um, everything points towards a return to Philly. The only question is how many years and how much money, right? Like, what does that look like? And if it doesn't look good, does he – does he try to take meetings himself, create some more leverage, et cetera? But the, uh, you know, it just, it just everything indicate, you know, indication wise, uh, probably just goes back to Philly. Um, it's, it's an interesting question for the, for the Sixers as well, though, because they have to figure out, well, if we bring James back and at what number, what else can we put around that roster and how many years are we going to commit to this? Because, as you saw in the playoffs last year, there are moments when James Harden is brilliant. Mm-hmm. There are moments when he could still be the James Harden who won MVPs. And then there are games where he just disappeared. And that the fit with Embiid is good, but not perfect, right? Like their games match up and they can really, James really enhanced Joel's game last year, I thought, um, in terms of the way he set him up and the passes he, would, he, he focused on. But then there were times where, if for James to be James, he, he kind of needs the ball a lot more. There's a lot more dribbling. So let's see if that offense can be a little more, um, a little more uh, beneficial to both of them all at the same time rather than my turn, your turn, right? And, and that's part of the reason Nick Nurse was brought in. Ramona Shelburne, ESPN senior NBA writer, joining Freddie Coleman and Joe Fornball here on Fitz and Harry ESPN Radio. So what else could happen with Philadelphia outside of the James Harden situation? Tobias Harris's name keeps coming up quite a bit. He was speaking the other day about how the casual Sixer fan would trade him for a crumble cookie. I'd imagine that deal's not going down, but could you see him on the move this offseason? Yeah, I, I could, just just because of the financial realities, right? Like every, You're going to see a lot of trades that don't make sense. This 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 year. I mean, we've already seen that when you go, oh, what did Brad Beal get traded for? Wait, Indian All Star. You know, you what what did, what did John Collins after all these years of hearing his name in trade rumors? What did he go for? Um, there's going to be a lot of of head scratcher trades, and all of them are because of the new collective bargaining agreement. And so Tobias Harris makes a lot of money. He's a very good player, um, but when you're making you know high thirties. It's hard for a team to have a, a number of players on in that price range. And Tyrese Maxey's due for an extension. Yep. James Harden, if he resigns, is probably going to be in that range as well. Joel Embiid obviously signed a super max, so it's, it's hard to have four players um, up up in the upper echelon of that of that price range, and then also fill out your roster with with good players. 
Like it's, you're just going to see a lot of these types of things. Now, the best way to think about the the Tobias Harris situation is like we just saw the Denver Nuggets win a championship, and the reason they won is because their pieces fit together so well, right? Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, the stars, but around them they have guys like Aaron Gordon. Okay, and Aaron Gordon makes a lot of money too. Right, doesn't make doesn't make as much as as uh, as Jokic, obviously, but Aaron Gordon fills this need of a wing defender, a guy who can shoot three, a star in his role. Um, he's paid he's paid very well for for that role. But if if, if a guy like in in that spot, if you're making that much money, you have to kind of be in that Aaron Gordon mold. Uh, and Tobias has that ability, but he's a little more offensive minded. Um, he can defend very well, but it but it's it's uh, Aaron Gordon like that's where that's his bread and butter, right? It's to be able to guard anybody, any 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 size, shape, or form, right? Like he you know, guard, guard KD, can guard LeBron, he can guard you know Jimmy Butler, like any different player. And so I think that's kind of what teams are going to look for is that real versatile guy in that role. And there's not there's not that many of them out in the league. You know, there's not it's a it's a real hard it's a hard person to find. But uh, that that's kind of what a team like Philadelphia needs for somebody making that much money. Always, always great to hear from Ramona Shelburne, ESPN NBA senior writer here on Twitter, Ramona Shelburne, because she's the only person that can tell you why the words recession will never matter with NBA teams. She joined Joe Fornbaum and Freddie Coleman here <laughs> on Fitz and Harry. Always appreciate you, Ramona. Keep us updated as NBA free agency starts tomorrow at 6 o'clock, yeah. okay? Sounds good. Great. So, absolutely. By the way, you always hit us up anytime you want to. Triple eight, say ESPN, 888-729-3776. My apology to the fans of the Milwaukee Bucks and why this NBA team has the number one on their mind. Keep it here on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. With your Rob Palenka, LeBron James, and the Lakers, you think we're a lot closer maybe than we thought we were going to be. There's a lot of parity in the league right now, and everyone smells an opportunity to, to chase a championship. We're going to try our best to stay in that pack or at the head of that pack. This is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Yesterday, LeBron James posted on Instagram he was responding to a 2024 mock draft, Uh sending his son, Bronny, to the Hawks. He came out and said, quote, well, Atlanta shorty, the James gang will be pulling up. (laughs) My apologies if I didn't give that the proper respect it deserved. It's shouty. It's shouty. I'm here to help. <laughs> we have a lot of evil people whose Charmaine name is Evan Wilner behind the scenes here on Fitz and Harry, presented by Progressive Insurance. Joe Fortenball, he's the shouty over there. Freddie Coleman, the shouty over here, presented by Progressive Insurance on ESPN Radio as well as the ESPN app and since X and Channel o, Channel Eighty, excuse me. And speaking of that, we have Ramona Shelburne, ESPN senior NBA writer, and Joe asked Ramona all about that IG post. From Saudi and LeBron James and his son, and how that could impact the Lakers going forward. Do you, uh, Ramona? Do you see the Lakers preparing for this to be LeBron's last season in LA? Yeah, 
I mean, they have to. Wow. Like, he's been pretty unequivocal about saying, I want to play with my son, right? I mean, that's – and he, he positioned himself to be a free agent or to have a player option that he could decline in the year that his son would be eligible for the NBA draft. And so, like, you know, the thing with LeBron is that – he's pretty clear about his intention. Like and the fact that he would even reinforce that on Instagram. And you know, I think that it was, it's kind of a joke of right now because the mock drafted, you know, year out, like the idea, we don't know what teams are going to make the playoffs, let alone be in any of those positions. Right. But it's more, it's more to say he's projected as a mid first round pick. It must be wonderful, Joe, to have that kind of stroke and electricity that maybe just maybe that teams will give you what you want. So you can play with your son for at least one year in the NBA. See, I was thinking the exact same thing. Okay. The exact same thing. I am a man who is married. I have a six-year-old, a four-year-old, a dog, and a cat. So in my household, <laughs> there are six living beings, and I have the least amount of juice of all six. Easily. And it's not even close. Like, the cat was rescued a decade before I showed up. Right. That cat can take my side of the bed anytime he wants. The uh-huh. dog was rescued just a year ago. Doesn't matter. No seniority in the hierarchy for me. (laughs) The kids I understand, and I would never challenge her. So I'm dead last. So when I see juice like this, Uh it brings a tear to my eye to think, (laughs) yes, it can be achieved. It just takes otherworldly talent like LeBron James. But as a dad, I also think the story's awesome that this is what he's prioritizing, that this is what he wants to do. I'm curious, though, as you try to navigate the waters for this, and I'd imagine he's going to have more pull than people even realize, Mm -hmm. is he going to be able to make this work in a situation where he can also seriously contend for championships? Or do you think the way this works out best is in a situation where eh, you're not really going to be on a title contender? The second one. because Second one? Yeah, as great as LeBron James is still going to be. And yes. It's, it's hard to imagine. He's about to go into his 21st NBA season, and he's coming off a year where he averaged over 28 points a game, over eight rebounds a game, and over seven assists a game. It's unbelievable for a man that I've considered, I think he's the greatest athlete that's ever played in the NBA. You Shot give, 50% from the floor. Right. Half his buckets went in. Right, exactly. A man who, and Tim Lugler, ESPN NBA analyst, said it best, and I've been saying it for a while as well, built like Carl Malone but handles the ball like Chris Paul. We've never seen that in nope. the history of the NBA, and that's why, to me, he's the greatest athlete in the history of the league. But he also understands how to make sure his brand is going to work well for him and his family. It's like the best case of nepotism that you could have if LeBron James is able not only to find a way to play with his son, Bronny, no matter what he does at USC, and I'm hoping the best for him because that cannot be easy. It's one thing to be the son of a great celebrity, but being a son of that celebrity. Facts. A worldwide figure when it comes to LeBron James. And now you're going to USC where you're going to get everybody's best shot on off the basketball court. If he, can you imagine if he winds up being a lottery pick, playing that well at USC? What kind of struggle are going to see LeBron James can actually have? Because you're not just going to go with him and play for a team that's not going to contend for a championship in a three, four-year period. Yeah, they just they just had the situation last night in the NHL draft. The kid the Flyers took from Russia. I think the Flyers had the seventh pick. There were a lot of rumors that he and his representation, his representation mostly, were calling teams yeah. saying, do not draft him. We want him going to either City A or City B. I think the rumors were Philadelphia and Washington. Now, he came out afterwards and said that wasn't true. I don't know if it is or it isn't, mm-hmm. but the ability to control something like this there's no way the team that selects Bronny is going to be the random team that thinks, hey, 
Hey, yeah. like imagine like, I don't know, like the Detroit Pistons come sliding in there and they're like, it doesn't matter. We heard LeBron wants him going uh-huh. here. We're yep. going to slide in. We're going to surprise LeBron and he's going to have to sign with us. Yeah. If you're the Pistons, you probably have another thing coming there. Yeah, you would think because I, nothing against Detroit. LeBron ain't going there. Yeah, all due but, respect to the Pistons. Yeah, nothing you're, against, you're trying to build something. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, nothing against Indiana Pacers. LeBron ain't going there. Nothing against Orlando. He's taking his kids to Disney World before. He ain't going there. He's going to make sure because LeBron has been really good at making sure whatever decks need to be cleared to make sure it's going to be the best possible way for him to win a championship or contend for a championship, it's going to happen. He did it when he went to Miami, led them to four straight NBA Finals. He knew he had a chance to go back to Cleveland with Kevin Love being traded for and Kyrie Irving already there. He did the same thing going to the Lakers because he knew the Lakers would do everything, move heaven on earth to make sure he got the pieces. They get Anthony Davis and voila in the bubble Olympics. They win a championship. LeBron James may not have been a college educated man, but he's been world educated enough to know exactly what can I do that if I want to get something or be with someone, that teams will do that for me and give me a chance to win another championship. Okay, so with that in mind, yeah. give me the percentage chance of yes, this has happened. 0% okay. to 100%. All the right. percentage chance that the conversations have already begun with certain right. teams around the NBA about jockeying into position next year. I'm going to say about 20%. because Only people, 20? Interesting. Yeah, you know why? Because you don't want that getting out. <laughs> There's always one big mouth that can't keep their mouth shut, that'll tell Woj, that'll tell Ramona Shelburne, that'll tell other NBA insiders. There's always that one that can't keep a secret. You may not know who that one is. As a matter of fact, it may be you. If no one else is talking, (laughs) it may be you at the end of the day. But I guarantee, this is just me spitballing, not everybody's going to have that kind of information being shared with so many different people because there's always that one that will become that anonymous source that will say, Blank team would love to do that for LeBron and Brody. There's always that one. Wouldn't it be fun if the team in question ended up being the team this year that had the number one overall pick? LeBron, Victor Wembanyama, Bronny, and then anything else you can figure out how to build around down there. I don't know if he likes Texas, but from what I understand, no state tax. I was going to say no state income tax. You keep most of your money? I'm in Nevada. Good luck getting me out of here. I don't care if they test nuclear missiles not far from here. (laughs) Area 51 has no effect on you. None whatsoever. I do not mind being neighbors with the aliens if it keeps the cost down. And it does. And it will. And we'll continue to. By the way, big thanks to Ryan Alexander who hit us on Twitter, Coleman ESPN, and at Joe Fortenball. I said about maybe Bobby Portis could be a free agent after this. No, he has signed a contract through 2026. If anyway, he might be traded, but not going to be moving on as a free agent. Ryan Alexander, always appreciate you keeping us up to date here and also keeping us on point here with Joe Fortenbaugh and Freddie Coleman. Thanks for joining us on Fitz and Harry. We turn our attention to the National Football League and our next guest, who had one of the great moments in the history of HBO Hard Knocks, he's going to tell us if the Jets should really do it or not. Keep it here on ESPN Radio. It's been like a dream month so far. Since he's become a New York Jet, and he says he's just reminded every single day that he made the right decision. Every day there's been something that's kind of been a little special sign or just a cool moment that reminds me I'm in the right place. Whether you rent or own, GEICO makes it easy to bundle home and car insurance. Go to GEICO.com today. This is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast.
Thanks for being a part of it and allowing it to be a part of you. It is Fitz and Harry. You got me, Freddie Coleman, my man Joe Fordenbaugh, in for the guys today. Thanks for joining us on ESPN Radio. It's about the ESPN app, Series X and Channel 80, and tell your smart speaker to play ESPN Radio. Before we get started, our next guest, Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN NFL front office insider. Get Up should really apologize to Mike Tannenbaum because they showed about hard knocks and they showed Mike Tannenbaum trying to recover a punt and he falls butt over teacups. The ball goes one way, he goes the other way. And Get Up showed that to say why the Jets should do or should not do hard knocks. So, Mike, you were the Jets GM the last time this team was on hard knocks, and then Get Up did you dirty this morning. Outside of that, what sort of distractions or challenges did that create when you were a part of that and that organization back then? You know, Freddie, my man, let's get the record straight. I actually won the punt catching competition with Coach Ryan. Like that is something that will get you know lost in <laughs> in the annals of time because of, uh, of course Rex had every cameraman loving him. So um, <laughs> I did win that competition and. The other thing I said this morning, I don't know if you guys heard, but they you know, had me juxtaposed with this incredible outfielder who made this incredible oh, yeah. catch oh, over yeah. the wall. Did see that. Yeah. yeah. So, Freddie, I said to Brian Custer, yeah, but can he go out and sign Damian Woody to a contract? That's what I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> Tremendous. The answer is no because you did it. Absolutely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but what was that like having that around the team? Because I get the sense you're on the side of that the Jets shouldn't do this when it comes to distractions and challenges. Yeah, look, I love NFL films. They were awesome. They were a great partner. They handled things eloquently. And I got to say, like, I feel like when you when you look at – where the Jets are, you sort of made this decision in February. Like, you could go back out with Zach Wilson and just kept going, but you're paying a tax. You have Aaron Rodgers, and it's going to be either really, really good or it's not. And, um, like, to me, I think the hay's in the barn, so I think you have to be prepared for everything, including hard knocks, and hopefully you have the leadership to handle it because it just seemed like if the league wants to go there, like, this could be somewhat inevitable. Are there discussions that the team has knowing these cameras are coming in, maybe just trying to be organized in terms of, Hey, we want to make sure we might not say certain things at certain times because it could give away strategy or how we handle our business. Do you guys prepare for stuff like that? Good question. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that you say that, um, Joe, it's really like the opposite. Like they do such an incredible job of like managing and being eloquent about just how things are because they have to do this year over year and they're, they're not trying to burn anybody and they are literally, you know, listening to every conversation and candidly, like I had no idea that, you know, Darrell Rivas was going to hold out and you know, on national TV and everything that happened, I was much more concerned about how they were going to handle, you know, cutting of players, for example. And I got to tell you, like they did it in a way that they, they honored the player and, you know, you ask anybody that's ever worked in a front office, that's the hardest day of the year, you know, when you're letting, 
you know, 30 guys go at once. So mm. I think they really create great entertainment, but do it in a way that's very honorable. Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN NFL front office insider, joining Freddie Coleman and Joe Fortenball here on ESPN Radio. We're in for Fitz and Harry. Robert Sala, head coach of the New York Jets. How do you think he'd handle the camera and everything that comes with it? Yeah, I'm a little disappointed. Like, uh, like he doesn't want to do it or, like, he just canceled minicamp. Like, you know what? Like, don't cancel minicamp. Like, you're, you're, you're trying to win this year. Like, mm-hmm. I'd be much more worried about, you know, getting guys on the practice field and – you know, like if you're a good coach and you believe in what you're doing, like don't worry about it. Like, I, you know, I said no to two, in 2009 about doing hard knocks, and Ozzie Newsom, a longtime general manager of the Baltimore Ravens, someone who I hold in really high regard. I, you know, I asked him for advice, and he's like, "Look, you know, you actually get players to practice harder because they know they're being filmed," and that actually turned out to be our experience, guys. Like, we we had a great year. We got to the championship game. Uh, I thought we had a really good camp with great competition. So you could actually turn this into a positive. One thing we know about the New York Jets, I believe they're going to be very, very good. I could see this being a 10 or 11 win team. And there's a certain running back, Mike, out there by the name of Dalvin Cook, who would be a perfect complement to Brees Hall. Michael Carter Jr. can catch the ball, can run the ball between the tackles. What would you do if you were the Jets GM with Dalvin Cook on the market, even though his asking price may be a little bit too high? Yeah, I would go sign them. You know, you look at those first four games, guys, Buffalo, um, New England, Kansas City, Dallas, like those are really four hard games. And um, if, if I'm knowing that Brees Hall is going to be a great player, but you're coming off of an ACL, I would go out and get Dalvin Cook. I mean, you're you're all in at this point, and you don't want to get off to a one and three start. You know, you can look at the back pages of the papers and see Steve Cohen, you know, dealing mm-hmm. what's going on with the Mets. So mm-hmm. if, if I'm the Jets – given everything else, and I think they've had a great offseason, I would go ahead and, and try to sign uh, Dalvin Cook. Let's step into the GM role of the other New York squad, Big Blue, the New York Giants. What are you doing with Saquon Barkley and the situation that's unfolding there? Yeah, I think it's it's time for Daniel Jones to step up and show some leadership. You know, last year he completed 74% of his passes to Saquon Barkley on 77 targets. You know, we've seen Daniel Jones' completion percentage go from 61 to 67% over the course of his career. And I think Saquon doesn't get the credit he deserves in the passing game. And if Daniel Jones wants to be the CEO of the Giants, he he has to show some leadership here and put some pressure on them to get this deal done because I'm hard-pressed to think that the Giants are a better team without Saquon than with him. He is a great follow on Twitter, Real Tannenbaum, even though Get Up Dead and Dirty this morning. He's Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN NFL front <laughs> office insider. Always a good sport, oh, always great with the knowledge. Go ahead, Mike, real quick. And, Freddie, more fundamentally, can you talk about my exploits in pumping gas and how I'm truly second to none to anybody in the Bristol area in, in pumping gas? <laughs> that, that, that is true. You definitely got that on lock, let's put it that way. I, I'm second in command behind you on that one, my brother. You're right about that. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Mike. Have All a right. good one. <laughs> All right. See you guys. Thank you. Great stuff on Mike Tannenbaum. Does a great job as NFL front office insider for ESPN. Joining Joe Fordenbaum, Freddie Cohen, part of Harry and Fitz. Hit us on Twitter, Joe Fordenbaum. That's his handle, my handle, at Coleman ESPN. A former NFL player says the Jets being skittish about doing hard knocks is just plain dumb and it's an excuse. Find out who said that next. You keep it here on Harry and Fitz. And Fitz and Harry, excuse me, on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast.